Greetings, Amigaps and Top Teners everywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I am your co-host, Kyle, not opposite me, right next to me. Today is your co-host, Mike, and a very special guest, our other favorite Mike, Mikey Mike. As you guys may have heard, we do once a year, well, twice now, it's your tradition. We do movie weekend, wherein we gather in one place with the express purpose of watching films back to back to back to back. And this year we decided we're gonna chat about the movies we watched. You guys ready to go? Hell yeah. All right, so K-Dog didn't really mention anything about Rick, <laughs> but that's totally fine because we've all just watched, we literally just wrapped our 12th film. Um, so I put together a list, but I think we'll kind of chat this one out. We probably don't even really need to rank. If there's anything that I did egregious, then maybe we can just kind of point that out. Yeah. Um, so you want to just, uh, I guess I guess the big thing to know is for people who are not aware of this, this is a weekend when we literally, like Kyle may have undersold it a little bit. We literally just watch movies the whole time. The only thing we do in between is we'll watch episodes of something like this year it was Avatar The Last Airbender. Last year it was Batman The Animated Series as a palate cleanser while we're eating brats or something. Yeah, I guess it's important to note that the origin of Movie Weekend is that we used to watch a lot of movies together. Mm -hmm. And now when we visit each other, we feel pressure to do things actively and visit, usually. Yeah. So we don't get very many movies in when we see each other. Mm -hmm. So we decided, let's get it all in in one weekend. Yeah, once a year we get this baby out of our system and then we can, you know, talk and go out to places and eat whatever. food socially and whatever it is we're expected to do. So my question is, are we ranking these movies like... That's a great question in already. <laughs> in terms of general quality or what they mean to us, like in movie weekend and our reactions oh, to them why because i think like that should probably be how we rank it because i yeah. ra i was ranking it a little bit more in like how the quality was but i think it's fair to say fast forward two months, three months <laughs> there are certain things that happened on screen this weekend that we'll be recounting to each other long after some of the more quality filmmaking we saw i think we're both thinking of one film in particular <laughs> that in terms of general quality is maybe not Oscar worthy, but was definitely probably my favorite movie we watched yeah. this weekend. Oh, so we can talk about so it. So I did not rank it that way, but feel let's let's emphasize that as we go. That can be a, a contributing factor. Yeah. All right. So clocking in at number ten uh, was Glass. So Glass is the third in the. I, we found out there's a name for this. So whatever the train number is. Yeah, it's the whatever. It's the Unbreakable series. So it's Unbreakable, Split, and then Glass. It's the Stealth trilogy in the M Night verse yeah so we watched that uh last night mikey mike had the good grace to ferry us out to a beautiful theater in jacksonville not so great company yeah that's true. <laughs> there's somebody dead out there that guy behind us had a coughing fit to end all coughing fits. they were terrible remember late in the movie one or i think it was late in the movie one of them just like <laughs> like spilled, <laughs> spilled like a gallon of Skittles on the ground. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous. But I will say, I thought the movie theater performed better than I expected after that girl gasped during one of the previews. <laughs> like she gasped very audibly. I had very low hopes for her ability to actually watch this movie. 
and ended up being fine. Yeah, but the movie itself was really good. I think we all agreed we really liked it. It definitely, having stuffed in all three of these movies in this weekend, it stands out as the lowest quality of the three. Yeah. Um, but it was really good. I, I quite enjoyed it. I enjoyed James McAvoy on screen as much as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was that was a good one. I, I think that one will that one will stick with us, but probably as the least of those three films. I think that if we hadn't watched yes. them all in one weekend, all in one day. <laughs> yes, literally one day. We would have reacted very differently. I can I can imagine someone that watched Unbreakable in two thousand and one and then split two thousand and fourteen and had time to prepare for this might have been a little bit less enthusiastic about it than we were yes we were very primed and got all the inside jokes like there were yeah very subtle callbacks to the to the first two films that if you didn't know you're like okay i don't get it or extremely unsubtle ones like yeah. <laughs> Shyamalan, like well, i used to hang out that's <laughs> you know, like, all right <laughs> why don't you just let other people do the yeah, acting <laughs> yeah, you're not, you don't need to be involved with this it was a very tarantino-y move yeah but uh, anyways yeah good movie enjoyed yeah uh, number nine, I think this might have been one of the films we were talking about. This is a film that, in terms of quality, was on the low end of this weekend, but is probably the movie we'll be talking about most for the next 10 to 15 to 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> that is Con Air. Uh, Mike, do you want to explain the premise of Con Air? Con Air, apparently, uh, they have to transport prisoners on airplanes. Yes, of course. <laughs> and they have some very high-profile criminals, very dangerous criminals. Oh, yeah. And they decide to hijack the plane and find their way to freedom. Yes. What's confusing or annoying to me is that, like, okay, I understand, like, you have to transport all of these super high security prisoners, of course, but on the same plane is a guy that is literally a free man. That's like, a really interesting Like, point. why are these people on the same plane together? Like... I just don't... I, that part was confusing to me. Like, well, let's just save... Like, we don't need to... So send, they did say something about how they have to populate this new prison. Yeah. And because his release date doesn't technically take effect until, like, that night or something... And because the new prison is where he's going anyways, yeah. they're just like, fuck it, put him on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. we take a couple trips. Like, we're quibbling with Con Air. Also, like, this is the least important aspect of that entire movie. Like, yes. it's not really worth worrying but about. But it is, it is worth thinking about just a little bit. I think the thing that we've all agreed sort of off air here is the most perplexing detail of this entire movie. Like, beyond <laughs> beyond some of the social dynamics that go on that we don't need to touch that are very alarming. Very alarming. Yeah. <laughs> all of that aside, why is Nicolas Cage from Alabama and why does he talk like this? Like Forrest <laughs> Yeah, he talks... You ever, remember the Office episode where they're doing the murder mystery and uh, and somebody tells Pam her accent sounds like she got kicked in the head by a horse? <laughs> That's what Nick Cage says. <laughs> I cannot wait to see my daughter again. <laughs> <laughs> not exaggerated no no so it was it was a ridiculous film and but i think we agreed this year it was this year's spiritual successor to last year's face off yeah which is one of the great films of the 20th century this is one of those movies that i feel like if like if you were gonna watch it you'd have to have your own kind of movie weekend like this is kind of like yeah a... <laughs> this doesn't just crop up no <laughs> you need to be in the right frame and yeah we were in the right place for this one yeah so so while it's number nine in the quality rankings it's probably closer to number one in our hearts undoubtedly yeah 
Uh, so number eight was the film we just saw, mm-hmm. Taken. So the two of you had seen Taken. I had not. I don't even think we need to explain Taken to most people out there. It's Liam Neeson has a very particular set of skills, and he will find you. And kill you. <laughs> yes. So that was, a, that was something that he did promise me that in the trailer. I was still surprised by how many people he made good on that promise with. He killed a lot of people in this movie. I'd be interesting to count, but it's on the order of not probably not 100 people. He probably killed somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 people. Yeah, I would say so. Now, as we discussed, just look at the plot of the film. I say get them. I think most of them probably deserved that. Um, but it's tough to say how specific and how laser-focused he was. This movie pays a lot of attention to uh, human trafficking and how the people being trafficked get in there. But they don't really talk a lot about how these gangs form. There's really no thought given to the international web. It's really just this guy's going to fucking kill these people to kill these people. Not a lot of consideration given to anything else. No, like I feel like there are probably a few guys in that clan yes. that like had a cousin that were in it, yeah. and they ended up spending a lot of time with that cousin because yeah. their parents weren't around a lot, and he might not have been involved with the day to day operations. Hell yeah, they might have flipped. Think about it. Like even if we, even if we as viewers are not willing to give these guys our sympathy, we have to be pragmatists and say maybe that guy would have flipped if you hadn't just shot him in the face seventy five times and kicked his corpse. Like it's possible that some real police work could have been done. Yeah, but he's not really in the mood to think about that. No, he absolutely was not. Some some context that's interesting. I think we put together. We started putting the list of movies we were gonna watch like three weeks ago mm-hmm. and we stuck to that list pretty good there yeah. were not too many inclusions to that or additions to that list that we hadn't thought of ahead of time taken was one of them we had already planned a last movie to watch yeah. and then it we found out while watching our second to last movie that mike hadn't <laughs> seen it and we called an audible yeah. we had to it's a rare audible yeah no we don't do that often yeah so i just I, I, even now you've seen it i'm, I'm Still yeah. grappling with the fact that you had it. It's okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. It's all better now. I'm sorry, but I'm glad we saw it. Uh, all right, so I think right now, after we've gone through number eight, we should probably play some play some music, don't you think? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and cue it up? Hey, Kevin. <laughs> play that funky beat. Thanks, Kevin. That was great music. Uh, so I think this is usually the part where we do our not top three, uh, but we right this this time we only watched twelve movies. So for this week we're gonna have one not top and one honorable mention. So our not top one film, I think by unanimous <laughs> unanimous selection, is a film called Batman Ninja. Now, just let that hang in the air for a second. Those of you listening probably know us. <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, how is it possible that these doofuses could watch something that combines the concept of Batman with the concept of ninjas and not like it? We're asking ourselves the same questions. We're not sure, but it was bad. I think we all agree it was bad. It was, did or, it was rough. Did it or did it not include several thousand monkeys... <laughs> Linking arms to form a giant monkey yeah. to fight a Megazord. So who said Megazord first? Was that you? Maybe. I think it was you because that was the moment that I was I gave up on the movie. <laughs> so like, I was sort of hoping that the movie might turn it around. But then you said Megazord and I'm like, this is Power Rangers. 
Like, this is not a good Power Rangers. Just to put it into context, Batman is transported yeah. to medieval Japan. Yes. Don't worry about why. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> so far, so good. Okay. Yeah. And then, like, for some reason, their technology is, like, several hundred years <laughs> advanced to the point where they can make, like, these weird city-state buildings that yeah. have moving arms and legs and can combine to form a Megazord. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they have to fight... <laughs> A, like a giant, like three hundred foot tall Batman that's com- that's made of the combined yeah. body masses of like several million bats. Yeah, that happens in this movie. It does happen, and I think we agreed that the fundamental issue we have with this movie, beyond the fact that it was very clearly marketed towards preteen Japanese viewers, which we can relate to, like we can get down with this. Uh, but the the big issue was we just wanted it to be. Batman as a ninja. Right. Like, we wanted it to be a Japanese guy who becomes a ninja and becomes Batman. Right. Like, we didn't need Bruce Wayne to suddenly be in medieval Japan. Yeah, like, call him, like, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever the Japanese version of Bruce Wayne yes. is. Translate it. Throw it into the Google machine. Yeah. So, that was definitely a real disappointment. But I will say that even if we weren't huge Batman fans, I don't think we would have enjoyed it. It's not just that we're like snobs yeah. about it. No. Which we are. Yes. But I don't think that's the reason. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Tough one. That was a tough look for our friends at Batman. Um, all right. So that's going to bring us to number seven. Number seven was, for me, a very pleasant surprise, Split. Mm-hmm. I saw the trailer, of whatever it was, a couple years ago, and I thought, that movie looks like poop. It doesn't look good. And it was coming off of a several-year dry spell for our friend, M. Night. <laughs> so I really didn't have a lot of faith. And I was really, really taken by how good this was. I really enjoyed it. I thought, and we agreed on this, it was shockingly grounded when compared to Glass. This was like a yeah. really interestingly restrained horror sort of psychological terror type movie. A lot of psychological terror. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was just surprised with how tastefully it addressed, like, yeah, different types of abuse. And, like, it didn't really fit with me what the trailer was. Because the trailer seemed yeah. like conventional locked room horror stuff, which yeah. is not my bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not my bag, baby. <laughs> I remember thinking when I saw the trailer, like, oh, that's a movie I'm never going to see. Yeah. And I was, like, really genuinely surprised. Maybe not genuinely. Once I... I wish that we had seen it before we knew that it was connected to Unbreakable. And I also wish I had seen it before I knew it was good. Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) It didn't take away from my enjoyment because I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it would have been cool to be gobsmacked by that being a good movie. Right. There's a nice little backstory, too, like getting into fighting inner demons or demons in your past, too. It's, It's not just a horror movie. It's not just a thriller. It's got a nice message behind it, too. I really agree. I was actually... I. And this is sort of a no-spoiler thing, but the villain is addressed very interestingly. And I think a lot of movies sort of pay lip service to giving the villain his or her due and thinking about their background. I think they did a really interesting job with this villain and paid quite a bit of attention to his backstory in a way that meshed well with the victims. Yep. No, I I think the real villain, without spoiling anything, is like something a little more... Complex. It reminds me of a movie. Uh, did you guys ever see The Babadook? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a terrifying film that addresses similar issues, and it's really, really good. But 
I don't recommend watching it. All right. <laughs> it's uh, too scary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, we're going to move to number six, which is this year's entry in the 007, uh, I guess, collection. We watch, we try to watch James Bond close to every time we hang out, but definitely Movie Weekend is a James Bond. So this year, we watched Live and Let Die. I think we agreed as a team, we haven't watched a Roger Moore together. No, I've seen Roger Moore, but not with you guys. So this yeah. is, I think, the first Roger Moore one. Yeah, so I this think... was this was our first as a team. Yeah, so I think we've pretty much exhausted the Connery ones. We've watched all the Connery ones because we did watch the You Only Live Twice, which is one that not a lot of people have seen, but we did see that one. I like that one a lot. It's a good one. I like this one a lot. This was a thoroughly enjoyable James Bond. I think it's the... F we talked about this. It's probably the first James Bond that gets how stupid and funny James Bond is. Like, they're st I think they're starting to get it late in the Connery films. This one really gets it and really embraces it. It's pretty slapstick. They did the form of the joke where, like, right in the middle of a scene yeah. that's really intense and it's all close-angled shots, high-speed, intense stuff, they'll pan out and, like, observe it from afar and just show normal people kind of, like, staring at it. And then they'll jump, like, a boat over a thing, like, through yeah. a barbecue and then back out the other side, which is... A trope that we see a lot nowadays in like spoof kind of action movies but in this movie for to me played for really genuine like well integrated jokes yeah and i was really impressed by it like you're right it was definitely a more um uh like intentional effort towards comedy than the rest of the movies which are usually just one-liners and this movie did not have a shortage of those no, either no shortage uh, Mike, do you want to give us a little science breakdown of the ending of this film? I think it's very important that the viewers... And we're going to spoil this one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I think it's really important. We talk a little bit about the science behind how this movie ends. So, Mike, how does the villain get dispatched in this film? There's uh, <laughs> some, some sort of uh, air rifle that gives you a whole bunch of compressed air into whatever you shoot. Whole um, bunch being the technical term. Yeah. Quite an understatement. Yeah. Demonstrated <laughs> earlier yeah. in the film on an inflatable couch. Yes. Which, to a comedic effect, the mm -hmm. person falls off. But uh, the, the end villain ends up getting shot, and uh, he just explodes like a balloon. <laughs> yes, he, because he is a balloon. He, yes. the, the key point is that he is so buoyant. They're underwater when he yes. gets shot, and he shoots out of the water and floats to the ceiling where he then explodes. Yes. He's like popped on the jagged roof of this cave lair <laughs> like or something. fucking balloon. But he's literally, it's important that we cast our minds back to when this film was made. It's 1973 or yeah. something. That was a balloon. This was not a special effect that kind of looked like <laughs> This was actually a balloon standing in for a human being. And that's how the movie ends. Oh, it's glorious. This is this is the inspiration for some great Austin Power stuff. There's the shark tank that people get dunked in. Uh, there, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. No, that was a... That was a I really, I really like that one, actually. Yeah, it's just actually a really good James Bond movie. Um, <laughs> all right, so that was number six. Number five is one that I'm guessing most people listening won't have seen. It's called Locke. I doubt anyone has seen this <laughs> Yeah, movie. you want to talk about it? Yeah, so imagine, if you will... Tom Hardy's face, and he's in a car. Yeah, okay, okay. It's nighttime, so he's driving on the, the interstate. Yep. And he gets a phone call. Okay. That's it. No, that, so what happens next? Okay, so then, okay, well, it's actually just like a series of 
what I just told you, just like on yeah, okay. Loop. So he takes the phone calls, and then and what does he, he do next? That's it. So the <laughs> so the movie starts with Tom Hardy <laughs> rubbing his boots on the ground to get the concrete off. That's true. We don't. We're not in the car the whole movie. Yeah. We don't want to exaggerate. There's about so, one minute. So he like kicks the loose concrete off his boots. Yep. He gets in the car. Yep. And he makes his so he's like somewhere north of London. Yeah. And he drives down. He's on his way down to London. Yep. It's about a uh, eighty-minute car ride. Yep. That's the movie. That's the movie. <laughs> and so he's just so okay. So something has happened yeah. that is causing him to go to London, and he's just kind of trying to sort out all the various parts of his life in in wake of this event, just on the phone. That's the let's. He's alone in the car. Well, yeah. <laughs> he's the only person in the car. Yep. Uh, and he, that's it. That's the whole movie. It's 80 minutes of Tom Hardy driving, commuting to London, basically. And it's really good. Yeah, it's shockingly good. I think, I want to know, do you guys think, and I want a name, who do you think, who's one actor you think could have done that? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I'm tempted to just take the easy way out and say Christian Bale, because I find him so charismatic, but I think he's really charismatic in how he plays off other people. I think Tom Hardy feels pretty unique because of his ability to convey emotions with his eyes like you think about him in the cockpit in dunkirk there's not a lot of human interaction for him in that movie he's proven a pretty unique ability to do that alone that's a good point tom already also has a way of making me believe that he's like a a, a normal person in a way that i don't know if christian bale can yeah and I, okay, so this so in in the movie Locke, tom hardy's character is a construction manager and is in charge of a very big concrete pour, mm -hmm. which I know, like, I don't know a lot about that stuff, but I know the terminology, and, like, they did their research, and he sold it. Like, I really believed that he knew a lot about concrete yeah. and was, like, really invested in, yeah. in getting this pour done correctly, which I was, like, super impressed with. I, he knocked it out of the park. And to say that, like... I enjoyed all 80 minutes of a movie that is basically a car ride conference call. Like, is really something else. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Quick note about the filming that we talked about. They actually put him, they were towing Tom Hardy in the car from the movie behind a tow truck all along the M6, eight nights in a row, just filming. So he's literally just him riding in a car, being towed down the highway in the UK, just talking on the phone. And that's how they filmed it, eight nights. And that was in the bag. They did it yeah great movie huge fan i don't i don't think i would like universally recommend this but if yeah. you have an appreciation for a slow burner yeah this is it agreed all right uh number four is one that mikey mike and i had seen but in the same way that kyle was shocked i had not seen taken i i think i knew he hadn't seen this but it still was a gut punch nonetheless we watched a little old film you might have heard of called The Fast and the Furious. <laughs> it's a special film. It has a special... I think, Mike, you and I would agree it has a special place in both of our hearts. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think, oh, Fast and Furious. It's all about cars. Yeah. See the previews for the new ones. Yep. All crazy action. The original is a completely different animal. Yeah. It's, it's really a more intimate piece. Mm -hmm. It is nothing like Fast four and a half basically like fast yeah. four is kind of where it starts going crazy but fast five is when it really kind of peaks nothing like that just a good film um we definitely ended up watching the unrated version which was a surprise because <laughs> there were a couple things that were said that mike and i did not remember seeing before we we're For like sure. oh 
well then, I guess <laughs> that was okay in 2001. Um, There's a lot of stuff that was okay in 2001. Yeah, I think that might be one of the weaker yeah. <laughs> <laughs> takeaways. Because we watched so many 80s and 90s movies and then early 2000s movies. Things have changed. Yes. <laughs> Things have changed a lot. And definitely for the better. No question about that. No doubt. Uh, but Fast and the Furious was just... It's a thrill ride. It's a wonderful film. We all agree mm-hmm. Vin, Vin Diesel is just magnetic in this movie. I'm a big fan of Don Toretto. Like, yeah. I thought Vin Diesel was great. Yeah. I'm really into Don Toretto. I would yeah. gladly roll with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would. Yeah. So that's it. I, mean, I don't think we need to say too much about that one. I think most people know that one. Yeah. I'm gl- yeah. The only thing I will say, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. We knew we were going to watch that movie. And we went to get beers right before that. Good point, yeah. And we didn't get Coronas. This is true. Yeah. So, that was a tough look. But the person driving knew, too. Like, specifically the guy driving knew about it. It was it was really tough, Mike. That was kind of... I'd say that was probably yeah. your low point for the weekend. Poor, poor driver. Yeah. I wonder who would do that. You did a great job with cooking. <laughs> like, you, we really... Let's back up for what... I want to get to that. Yeah. Um... I just am a little confused why Mike driving like kind of pins on like you. Wait, we were I, I was driving. Yeah, it was Mike's fault. Oh. Like, no, it's Mike's fault because he was the one. He was leading the beer run, and we were all in the store though. No, it's true. I would only the only person I would kind of say like probably didn't have a hand in that you, was the no guy question. who didn't see the movie. If we're ranking, if we're doing our not yeah. top three on this one, yeah. you're three. No question. You're you're the third not. Okay. I'm number two. Mike is number one because he was supposed to feel it in his soul. He was room vrooming. I mean, did he not room vroom a little bit? He did. But <laughs> Mike was room vrooming. Got his G six. Like I don't know. I think you should have been in charge of capturing the essence of a Fast and the Furious beer run. Interesting. Okay, that's fine. I just that's interesting yeah. you'd say that. At any rate, Mike. I'll take the blame. We appreciate. <laughs> I'll bring Coronas next time. We appreciate your hospitality <laughs> for Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. At the next. Are we movie gonna watch? We gotta watch that. Right? One for yeah. yeah we, should, we should do that. Um, no, but Mikey, Mike, you were a wonderful host otherwise. You fucked up there, but otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, great work. All right, uh, so that brings us to number three. We're going to hold off on that for a second while we talk about our honorable mention. That's right. Just one. Just the one? Just the one. Uh, a film we watched this morning, which was really interesting in a lot of ways. Um, ranks near the bottom mostly because of its inexplicable dialogue. Like, truly inexplicable dialogue. Number number eleven, honorable mention, whatever you want to call it, is Jack Reacher. Um, just what? It's like when you watch Tom Cruise make out on screen, and you say to yourself, "Tom Cruise has never kissed somebody in his life." Like you know it. You watch it, and you, it's so awkward that you know it. This was a movie where I watched him talking to people and said, "Tom Cruise has never spoken to a person in his life," because people don't talk like that. People don't talk like that. People don't. <laughs> people don't get into bar fights like that. They don't think the things he's thinking. No, he like. He walked around in that movie. Not his character. I don't think like his character, but mostly Tom Cruise with such improper swagger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he backed it up, but the way that he flailed about that movie was recklessly and wonderfully confident. Yeah. <laughs> I want to read the review, actually. Yeah. We, I, we, pulled out, we, we found... I wanted to see what people said about this movie. We had some parts we were really curious about, like whether the internet was outraged. <laughs> and I, I don't know. We'll get there. I'm sure they are. But um, this was Dan Kois or Qua. I don't know if he's French or not. Uh, reviewing for Slate.com. This is his little snippet that's on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Jack Reacher is an absurdly <laughs> self-confident, sociopathically laser-focused detective bot. That is to say, he's a hero that only Tom Cruise could love. That's so perfect. That's, that's about right. Though we loved him. We did. We loved the movie. I don't know if we love Jack Reacher. I wish they could have done that movie again, but do it without Jack Reacher. Because <laughs> I kind of liked the plot. Just put a different detective in there. Yeah, I was like more. I was kind of into the plot. That could have been a good, um, like Angie and what's his name from uh, Gone Baby Gone. Like that mm. would have been a good, a good plot for somebody else. It was a good mystery. Yeah. It was like a little confusing and like. The- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the villain did not match the crime. The villain Very is this strange. this guy who only goes by the human prisoner because yes. he can't remember his real name because yeah. he used to be in a Siberian prison, mm-hmm. and he had to gnaw all of his fingers off so that his frostbite didn't turn to gangrene. Like yeah. this guy is straight out of a Bond movie, yeah. and yet he's like he's just kind of like a crooked like developer <laughs> developer <laughs> when it's unclear why he's willing to kill so many people but because he is yeah he's definitely willing to kill a lot of people it was a very like confused movie tonally but it was still good like yeah. i still enjoyed it quite a bit yeah if somebody says was that a good movie i'm gonna say yeah that was Go for a good it. Movie. someone says should i watch that movie i could say Probably not, but let's <laughs> probably think about that one first. Someone says, I'm, I've got a weekend where me and my homies are just going to watch 12 straight movies. Does this one crack my list? Yes, I say yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like criterion one. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's our, our one honorable mention. Uh, so we're getting into the real meat of this list here. Uh, number three was our second movie. Was it our second movie? Well, which movie is it? Midnight Run. <laughs> then yes. Okay, our so second this is movie. our second movie of the weekend, and it was a banger. An absolute uh-huh. banger. They said the title 10 minutes in? Less. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey Mike, Midnight Run. Had you seen it before? I had not seen it. Yeah. I feel like I'd heard it before mentioned that it was a great like buddy cop kind of movie. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think I think for me... A movie that can have, a movie that can have like two buddies talking about you know their lost loves, and also have Robert De Niro shoot the, <laughs> t- the propeller on a helicopter and have said helicopter then explode. Uh-huh. I'm in. Like that's really the only advertisement I need. Yeah. No. And then you get there. You're you're there because of those. And then there's yeah. so much more. I like was i've seen this before like in meet the parents but de niro is like really really funny yeah he's really good i think this is when he this sort of like with bond i think this is around when he realized he was funny and like the the charles groden making fun of robert de niro being robert de niro stuff i'm curious how much of that was scripted Mm. but i think robert de niro realized like being a hard ass all the time is just kind of funny. Like when Charles Grodin is like, shut the fuck up. Like he's <laughs> imitating what Robert De Niro is about to say to him. It was very believable in the context of Robert De Niro's career. Yeah, definitely. I like this side of him. Yeah. He was just like, I don't know. I, for some reason, like my preconceived notions about this movie, like Midnight Run. Yeah. It's like an FBI agent, like former FBI agent or whatever, like doing, it sounded like it was going to be kind of intense. And this movie's not that. Like it's no. really a, it's pretty it's a comedy yeah right like it was just a ton of fun it reminded me of um basically like if you've seen planes trains and automobiles yeah. it was basically that but pretend that 
John Candy's character is Steve Martin's prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you pretty much have the gist of Midnight Run. Um, that was That's an instant classic. Like That's going to be a go-to. I'm going to be watching that one again and again, I think, going forward. And again. And again. Absolutely. All right, number two. This was the first movie we watched this entire weekend. It is one of dear friend of the pod and frequent collaborator Jerry's favorite movies of all time. Number two is Tombstone. Whew. Oh, Started off with a bang. Yeah. We I think we agreed that the emotional journey we all took was was really something. Cause I've seen Tombstone, I've seen it all the way through probably once, and I've seen 40 minutes of Tombstone 30 times. Right. Like I've seen a lot of Tombstone a lot of times. But this is the first time I've seen it all the way through in a very long time. And I forgot, like, even just that opening scene, I don't think I've seen that since I saw it the first time. When they interrupt that wedding and shoot a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't forget about that. They do some straight-up evil stuff right away. Yeah. Those damn cowboys. Yeah. Mikey, Mike, you want to talk about the plot of this one? So there's three brothers, Sam Elliott and... Uh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton and... Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. And they, uh, they roll into town <laughs> trying to retire and, and live the good life. That's all they want. They've had enough of this shit. Yep. And... Uh, the riffraff cowboys come into town, yep. start bringing in some some bad stuff, yeah. and they gotta take care of business. They gotta lay down the Put law. them in their place. Reluctantly. Reluctant, Reluctant heroes. Very important. <laughs> very reluctant. Especially for Wyatt Earp, <laughs> yeah. Kurt Russell's character. Like, very reluctant. But I gotta tell you, once that switch flips... <laughs> those three got the... You've probably seen the image. Yes. Those three and... Uh, Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday yeah. just strolling down the street ready to bring the ruckus yep. is dusters mm-hmm. just flowing in the wind behind them. Holy fuck, they look good. They are the yeah. most fearsome foursome yeah. I know of. I mean, look out. Yeah, except if you're, uh, what's his name, Ike. Somehow Ike survives <laughs> this whole movie. You know what? Ike's a survivor. Ike is a survivor. He made it that whole damn movie. If Ike had frostbitten fingers, he would have chewed those motherfuckers off. Unquestionably. He was licking boots. He was playing poker with the people who had killed a bunch of his friends. <laughs> like, he was going to survive. Yeah. Uh, but this is a great movie. It's just it's a much more of an emotional journey than you expect. It turns out to be kind of a buddy comedy uh, slash love story between Doc Holliday and... Um, Wyatt Earp's characters. It's just, it's beautiful. Some of the Doc Holiday stuff is about as good as movies get. Yeah, I was stunned at the the emotional toll the end of that movie took on me. Yeah. Well, that was a wonderful one. So that brings us to number one. What I thought, and I'm obviously willing to entertain other thoughts from you guys, what I thought was the best movie of the weekend. That was the first movie in the uh, train trilogy from the Shemaliverse, Unbreakable. So the plot of Unbreakable is basically that Bruce Willis is... Unbreakable. He's just a guy. Guess what? (laughs) (laughs) He's unbreakable. That's it. That's kind of it. And and it's just in a really low-key way exploring the stakes of what it would be like to find out that you're very different from everybody else. I I have seen parts of this movie before. I know my dad loves it, but I'd never seen it all the way through. Blown away by the restraint of this movie. That it doesn't ever turn into something big and crazy and loud. The ending is actually, like, shockingly anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah. It's very... It's extremely muted. Yeah. And, like, even the... It's, like, definitely very intentional. The color palette is, like, yeah. super muted, and then things that are important have 
like hot, sharp color contrast to yeah. them. But you're right. It's like it's not necessarily a slow burner, but it's pretty like it, the tone definitely matches his character. Like yeah. kind of quiet in plotting, but there's also some great performances. Like Robin Wright. She's really great. good. Samuel L. Back in the day. Yeah. Uh, the kid. The kid who was the um, was Commodus's nephew in Gladiator, and then was uh, the boyfriend of the victim in Mystic River. Like he, he was just fantastic. He plays Bruce Willis' son. Hmm. Huge fan, and it was fun to watch it knowing that we were going to immediately thereafter yes. watch the next two in this trilogy. That yeah. was fun too. This is this is a movie that I I'm going to have to watch again. I it really like I don't know, it really resonated with me some of the ideas about just being a person who's a little bit different or being a parent or being a husband, being like I don't know, fulfillment. Like there was just a lot of questions this movie was asking that were really interesting and I thought really well done. And it's really hard to resist the reluctant hero. Yeah, that was maybe a theme of this weekend. Guys, what are we searching for? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Uh, (laughs) Top 10 existential crises of this weekend. (laughs) Well, I think that's probably it. I don't know if we do we want to do anything with it. I don't think so. I mean, like some of these movies, I think will have more lasting impact than others, but we don't need to rank them. I just think... The overall takeaway is that sometimes it's good to just watch 12 movies over a three-day period. Yeah, absolutely. Mikey Mike, thank you for hosting us. Thanks for coming down, making the trek. This was wonderful. (laughs) See you guys again for the same exact thing next year. (laughs) Damn right. All right, um, credits real quick. Mike already alluded to the fact, Kevin, Kevin McLeod, as always, fantastic job with the theme music. Thanks, Kevin. Yep. Our artwork, per usual, lovingly crafted and skillfully so, by Erin. Erin Sennett. You can see her stuff on Instagram. Don't forget. And then, uh, if people wanted to listen to more of this for some reason, where could they do that? Kyle, people can check us out pretty much, you know, pretty much everywhere on the old internets. They could check us out on Twitter at TopTenKM if they wanted to see what we're doing there. Not doing a ton right now, but we're working on it. They can check out our Instagram where we are doing a ton. Our social media maven is working on that for us top 10 km they can send us an email if they have any queries or if they wanted to suggest any movies for us for movie weekend next year or send in an application for why they think they should be allowed to come to movie weekend if they know us well maybe we'll <laughs> consider it uh that would be top 10 km at gmail.com uh, but if they wanted to listen to us they could check us out on spotify stitcher podbean apple i whatever it's called the apple podcast app pretty much anywhere you might listen to a podcast you would find our podcast on there damn right look for our beautiful silhouetted cartoon mugs (laughs) all right (laughs) good work good work this weekend boys thanks guys